Hey guys, this is Diz. Just a quick note before this week's episode, in honor of Pride Month, we are highlighting a charity uh, that supports the LGBTQIA community each week of June. So stick around till the end of our podcast to find out which charity we're highlighting uh, this week and how you can support them in their awesome cause. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nerdy Podcast podcast. I'm Cassidy and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Tibbs. Hello! And we're back with another episode. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, a really amazing game, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep. So for those that don't know, this is a game that was developed by uh, Guerrilla Games back in 2017 and was initially released on PlayStation only. But yep. as of 2020, it is now available for PC and um, PlayStation, which is unfortunately the only console it's available on. But it's mm-hmm. a really great game. Um, we unfortunately only got to play it in 2020, but yeah. um, I think it was a really nice break from everything else given the state from of the world state of the world um, and the break from assassin's creed for that time as well let's say yeah yeah i yeah. mean we, we've definitely if it's not already been obvious by the number of assassin's creed episodes we've done that was like <laughs> really getting us through the initial stages of the pandemic but yeah. um after a bit we did get this awesome game to play so um yep. we I think we blew through it pretty quickly, actually, all things considered. I, I think mean, so. I think yeah. once we started, we couldn't really put it down. Oh my but, God. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. it's it's such a terrific game, and we highly recommend it. If you haven't had a chance to play it, um, it's currently available to purchase, I guess, anywhere on you can Steam. buy it, buy uh, PlayStation games, yes, and on Steam. And yep. if you don't want to purchase it, there's always spoilers YouTube on the internet walkthroughs. and YouTube walkthroughs, of course. <laughs> um, so, with that, um, just keep in mind, uh, we're getting into everything, so of course, as usual, um, spoiler warning, uh, just be warned that we're probably going to talk about everything, and we definitely will be talking about the ending, so spoilers abound. So um, if you still plan to stick around and listen, thank you so much. Yes, we really appreciate you guys for this, because let's let's not forget, Aloy is such an amazing character. I love her. I think she's awesome. Uh, one of the few games to have a cool solo female protagonist uh, and sold super well, actually. So if so, Ubisoft, we're looking at you. If you need proof that game uh, that solo female protagonist games sell well, Horizon Zero Dawn and Tomb Raider would be your proof. In right, any case, yeah. <laughs> in not any just case, Ubisoft, but yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> but most co- we, we say Ubisoft because we play Assassin's Creed a lot, and they make the Assassin's Creed franchise. But yeah, most uh-huh. any game company. <laughs> Basically, take notes because I mean, let's talk about Aloy because we've see we see her right from infancy in the story mm-hmm. and how Rost basically, you know, adopts her and um, following <laughs> and raises her basically. Exactly, uh, the very first see first few scenes are is where Rost uh, you see Rost following the tradition of naming uh, a baby from their tribe. Um, and again, that scene really gets to me because not everyone is in support of this, but the uh, but the matriarch is, and they just use that quick window to get this done. And he names her Aloy, and you see her grow up. Let's talk about Aloy because I love her. I absolutely adore her. 
I know it, it was so nice to get a character like Aloy. I mean, one, because she's a fantastic character, um, yep. you know, regardless of gender, but also, yeah, like agree. you said, it was really nice to get a really strong, amazing female character in a game. And not mm-hmm. only that, a game that did well. So I'm hoping that future games that come out, not just from uh, uh, Guerrilla Games or Ubisoft or whoever, I think just games in general, I'm hoping that games they feature a lot more exactly, yeah. uh, playable female characters, yes. because I think characters like Aloy, they're just so amazing, and I think this game did a really good job of showing that you can have a female character in a game and have it sell well, and I think for some developers... Sell really uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I think some developers are still kind of like, I think, apprehensive, probably, about having games with uh female leads i don't know why because there is evidence that the games that we do have with female leads a good chunk of them i think do sell well like you said tomb mm-hmm. raider is a great example of this game yeah. certainly um yes. the last of us as well actually. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely so i think um it getting a game like this with a character like aloy was amazing um and more than that i think it just it was fun to play it was a new story i think there was um i don't think there was really any other game like horizon zero dawn in terms of like the world that it was set in uh where it's in the future but in Mm -hmm. a way it's also kind of based off the past because essentially she's living in a futuristic world but uh human humanity has kind of reverted back to like hunter-gatherer tribes and yeah yeah exactly they have a lot of technology and they've made a lot of advancements, but I think they're also kind of... That's what's so strange when you see your first machine because it's like, dude, you live in a world where you hunt animals for to eat and then you have these highly advanced machines that right. are out to kill you. So how is that? I think they spun it very well. So let's talk they about did, yeah. all of that as well. Like the tribes and the setup that they did. Let's talk about all of that. Yeah, it was a really interesting premise. Um, like we said, it's it's takes place in the 31st century, so you know it's well into the future. But it's also yeah. um, humanity has kind of reverted back to some, yeah. I guess, primitive Early ways. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of clustered in in different tribes. Right. Uh, they have, I wouldn't say primitive weaponry, but it's not as advanced it's as you would as think the 31st. technologically advanced as you think it would be in that time period. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... Like, I mean, uh, if you still use a bow and arrow, like... Yeah, on. and not like a like a high-tech bow and arrow, mind you. Exactly. These are pretty... I mean, they're cool weapons, but um, yeah, they're still yeah, bows and arrows. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and she's essentially taking on machines that are built with... Who knows Metal. what? Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, I think that's a major component, but they are pretty technologically advanced. Oh as you play yes. through the game, you find out how these machines came to yeah, take over uh, the land and, and why people are hunting them and why they're attacking people and all of that. So it was a really interesting premise, and I don't think there's... Yeah. I think there's a lot of games that are probably set in the future, but I don't think, at least to my knowledge, and I'm not <laughs> by no means knowledgeable about every game under the sun, but... Um, <laughs> I can't think of any other game that has a similar premise where it's like so far in the future, but society has almost like reverted back to such primitive ways. Mm-hmm. So just getting to explore the world and getting to see the world and meeting all these different groups of people as a story unfolded yeah. was really cool because mm-hmm. they're still they're so far in the future, but in a lot of ways they're so much um, less. Yeah, like you still have monarchies. More. 
Like, right, if you still have yeah. monarchies and if you still have armies of... <clears throat> I mean, of course, army, sure, we still have armies for each country, but it's more like, like you said, they're divided into tribes, factions and tribes, not countries. And it's <laughs> like... Uh, and it's really interesting, and we'll get into that while we discuss the story, but let's also talk about the tribes here, because uh, we have the Nora, which is where Aloy and Rost are from. Um, <laughs> we have um, the Osaram, who are basically um, metal workers and blacksmiths and, and stuff like that. Then you right. have the Karja, who are basically... I don't know what to call them. Um, uh, if you would... Sun people? Yeah, people of the they, sun. Yeah, a lot of their, I think, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but the, I think their, yeah. the, the sun and the symbolism of it is, it means a lot to them. Yeah. So yeah. The, and then you have the Banuk who live in the frozen wilds, and we'll get to that DLC as well, uh, because uh, they, they laid this out so well. So let's talk about the cultures and the influences from uh, what uh, influences that this could have had on the game and stuff, because I think it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of different, I think there's actually somewhere between, I think, four to six different tribes, but the major yeah. ones, um, like you were saying, are the Nora, the Karja, um, Asaram, and the Banuk. And so we really mm -hmm. get to see all of these different tribes in mm -hmm. this world and throughout Aloy's journey. So that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And they also, I think, are very different. Um, and the interesting thing was, I think, that even though their society was modeled on ours, or, it, you know, there's some element of the real world, or, like, there's, it's kind of based on the real world to some degree, the world that they live in is also very different so there's no I think it, it's hard to find like commonalities between yeah our cultures or societies today I, and yeah. what's in the game mm -hmm. but I think there is still enough separating a lot of the different tribes like um the Karja are very like the symbolism for the sun that means a lot to them the Banuk they live in the north so it's really cold and I think they have a little bit more mm -hmm. um influence maybe from like um, northern communities like the um, indigenous people of uh, North America people, like Inuit um, or yeah I agree uh, yeah Definitely. I think just in their design there's like some elements that I don't the know if it's ever been confirmed the, yeah but it stuff, kind yeah. of reminds me of that um, so it's really cool to see all these different tribes and get to explore the different parts of mm -hmm. the world because it is kind of like in a way, kind of, it's like a mini Earth. Like, there's colder regions, there's is. deserts, there's and mountainous regions. there's a regions. reason for all of that, and we'll yeah. get to that, and how beautifully it shocks you when you find out what this is. Right. Because, mm -hmm. oh my god, okay. So, um, let's talk about the ceremony that they do to choose the... Um, people as the Nora become adults I think I'm not I'm, I can't remember what that ceremony was called the proving, the proving. Mm -hmm. yep. yes okay just got that in my brain yeah the proving uh, where the young of the tribe basically compete in the, in the test of uh, various basically it's like an obstacle course I think right mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah and they compete in that and if you win you become you basically get accepted into the tribe they can't ignore you anymore and Aloy being who she was and this is interesting because um the Nora are very clearly a matriarchal tribe mm -hmm. right and right. the fact that she doesn't have a mother is basically why she's been kicked out and treated right. very unfairly mm -hmm. let's talk about that because that really hurt to watch 
it, it is, yeah, it is really sad to watch because it's, again, for a matriarchal society, you would think that maybe there would be some sympathy or some understanding that <clears throat> there's this poor kid who didn't have a, a family, mm-hmm. but somebody's willing to take her in and maybe that they would cut some slack for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they just view it as just because this kid is here, there's no way we can, like, they couldn't find a mother or prove that Aloy had a mother which I think logically when you first play the game you would say well of course if she's a baby like all babies have to have mothers <laughs> mm. but I think the circumstances of Aloy's birth are really unique and so oh my um, god yes I cannot stress that enough <laughs> but yeah it's really, I think, kind of almost shocking when you mm-hmm. figure out or learn about Aloy's past and how she was conceived and all of that. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. But at the beginning of the game, definitely, I mean, I remember thinking she's got to have a mother. So why are they acting like she's never like she just popped out of the earth? Exactly. <laughs> and um, it always it, you used I mean, you used that phrase on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just it was it was just really frustrating because at least in the beginning of the game, like I said, if you've never played the game, if you've never heard anything about it and you're playing yeah. through it the first time, like any logical person, I think you would make the assumption that if Aloy exists, she had to have a mother in order exactly. to be born. I mean, <laughs> and that, it's kind of stupid. That, yeah, right, yeah. Was, and it's kind of yeah. crazy that nobody in like Nora hierarchy seems to recognize that. And so unfortunately, because they say she has no mother, she's ostracized and uh, lives almost in isolation for most of her life, which is really sad. But I think yeah. it's also amazing to see what she develops into and like the person she becomes because she's very resourceful, very skilled. And ultimately, she actually does win the proving, although that victory is pretty short-lived. But even during that mission, like, you you can see that all her hard work and training and practice and all of that has paid off because she may take, I think, slightly Mm -hmm. more dangerous routes and maybe take more risks than a lot of the other Nora competing. I agree with you, yeah. But um, it she makes it because I mean I think she's confident enough in what she can do so um watching the proving and finally getting to play through that sequence was a ton of fun but it's also like everything getting up to there was like really annoying and frustrating in terms of watching the Nora just ignore her and exactly um, I mean for no valid reason so yeah exactly (laughs) that's the thing it's there's no valid reason it's like okay you found this kid and so what you can the best you can do is take care of her make her part of your tribe instead of shunning this child like I didn't understand that at all I'm wondering if it's also because they are in some ways almost such a primitive society in terms of Mm -hmm. like like resource collection and stuff I mean Mm. they're essentially like hunter gatherers so they're not I mean, like, they're growing some food and stuff, but they haven't mm-hmm. automated ways of producing or manufacturing, like, the necessary resources that they need to survive. So I'm wondering if it's, like, if they just viewed it, it's like, oh, this is another mouth to feed that we don't yeah. need. So she can just stay away and we'll look after the people that we know and consider our own, which is really sad and depressing to think about that as a baby they would just cast aside anybody who they just didn't like or... Or, you know, because they had some crazy idea that a baby didn't have a mother. Mm. But um, I, th- I think for Aloy, it ends up, as sad as it is, it does work to her advantage because uh, she definitely becomes, I think, probably one of the strongest fighters that the Nora has. Yep. 
for sure. Let's talk about. I mean, there's unfortunately there's very little to talk about Rost. Unfortunately, because I wouldn't say very little, but yeah, I mean, he only has a short uh, role, a small role. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in the sense that his screen time is limited, but mm-hmm. I think he he definitely has a big impact on Aloy, and I think he's definitely part of the reason why she's able to do what she does once she wins the proving and then ultimately leaves Nora land. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately we only get a short amount of time with him and it's, he's not, I think the most uh, like talkative person. So he doesn't kind of spill all the beans, even though he knows yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. Um, it's only, I think once Aloy is old enough and it gets close to the proving that he kind of, takes her out and um there's that one mission you do where you fight a sawtooth for the first time i think yeah and that's like it's a cool mission but um it's also at least for me that was one of the missions i was like are this guy's supposed to be our guardian and he's feeding us to a giant metallic cat <laughs> because <laughs> you're essentially at least for me i mean i'm not very good with a bow and arrow and i think at that point well, you don't have too many weapons yeah but, you don't have um, too many arrows let's say you don't yeah and you don't yeah. have too many upgrades probably yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it can be a little bit difficult i think but mm-hmm. um but i think rost i think he knew what he was doing and even though I think Aloy probably questioned him and we as players, or maybe just me, um, even though we questioned him, <laughs> I think he understood what he was doing and he, he had a point and a reason for doing everything. Yeah, so, yeah. that's true. Wow. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about Helis and uh, how he crashes the proving and what it, and how it ends up upending Aloy's life. Right, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, upending is, I think, putting it mildly, but right? he's, um, he's a, I guess, ex-Karja. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you can call him Karja because he's part of, he's the leader of a uh, re- rebel a faction. Called, called the Eclipse. Um, right, yeah, they're essentially a cult. They call themselves the Eclipse, and they're a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's putting it lightly, but um, yeah, he, for some reason, decides that he needs to kill Aloy or I mean, not kill, but um, that comes later. But initially, they're out to to catch Aloy because uh, she looks like an old world scientist who they think um, (laughs) has some connection and, yeah, uh, could stop Hades. So, yeah. Uh, So, initially, Helis and the Eclipse are after Aloy just to catch her. But um, we have this really moving scene where Rost sacrifices himself for Aloy and ensures that she can get away. Um, and essentially live to see another day but unfortunately he he does die in in doing that i know it was it was a really sad scene especially because i think ross is like he comes across as gruff but he's he's actually a pretty uh soft he's he's a a softie yeah Yeah. so um it was really sad to see him die but then i Mm -hmm. think that entire sequence is also it serves as a catalyst to really get Aloy uh, like force her out of Nora land and into the world mm-hmm. so don't they make uh, her a seeker or something they do yeah she yeah. wants answers um, about her past and uh, who these people about are why Elis came to came for her in the first place right and the other thing is that they for the first time they have corrupted machines that are working with the eclipse yeah. um, and that's never been seen as far as the Nora know the mm-hmm. machines that are out there 
can attack people, but they're not corrupted and automatically programmed to attack people. Exactly. And the corrupted machines are, uh, or they're noticeably different. So they can attack people and they usually, I think. They usually do. Yeah. yeah. They, have, they have more of a tendency to attack people compared to and a non-corrupted think... machine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the matriarchs make her a seeker. Some of them very reluctantly, some of them, um, not willingly, but I think but this I, is when she, she finds out that she was found at that metal door. I right, think, yeah. Right? Oh my god. I yeah. think so, yeah. So there's a whole scene where Aloy learns that they just found her outside a door in, in the mountain. And yeah. obviously they couldn't find any parents, so um, they assumed she had no mother. But again, I mean, <laughs> logically, and at the very beginning of the game, when you don't know the full story, mm-hmm. I think most logical people would say, if there's a baby, there has to be a mother. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and Aloy would... does have a mother. It's just a different circumstance. Don't say that. Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that whole uh, sequence mm-hmm. um, is also really cool because nobody ever really leaves Nora land. Uh, yeah. I think the Nora are very... Uh, also self-sufficient people, I Yeah, guess. and I think they're... It's Yeah, it's not that they don't have like allies or any contact with the they'd outside try, world they'd, they'd like to keep to themselves basically. yeah and i think they look yeah. after their own but the yeah. world is also i think very um or society has been fragmented i think and they're mm-hmm. everybody's you know part of a tribe and there i don't there's not too much i think communication between the tribes and it's not that mm-hmm. like they hate each other or anything it's just I think given the way of our own kind of yeah I think given the way the world is like each tribe kind of looks after its own and then um it's not until I think the tail end of the game that there's really some sort of like I guess yeah yeah Yeah. so um so yeah so just watching Aloy leave Norland was as sad as it was it's kind of cool um and by sad I mean because she's I think she she did a lot for the people there in terms of just, you know, stopping the eclipse at the proving and doing yeah. if you do the side quest for them. I mean, she's just helping people all over the place. Yeah, pretty much is, and, yeah. Um for all that the matriarchs, most of them anyway, are not well actually I shouldn't say most. I think there's just a couple. Um who are just idiots. Who are, yeah, they're very vocal about their dislike and contempt of her. So it was nice yeah. that she finally got a chance to go and that too with their blessing, which I think she probably would have gone either way. But either, she would have gone either way. Yeah, yeah I think she yeah, wanted yeah. to have their blessing and it was nice that she got it. So that I was agree. really cool. Now let's talk about Meridian because I think that's the first big city that she goes to, right? Isn't that the first place she goes to? <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's the first big city, but it, it does take a while to get to Meridian. Yeah. Um, there's other locations that I think Aloy goes to, but none are as big and as grand as Meridian. Mm. So yeah, um, but it, it was a really cool city, and especially the first time just walking or riding up to it. Um, yeah. You have to do a lot of work to get there in terms of taking out a lot of Pretty different much. machines. And, yeah. Um, and all of that, but yeah, I think you have to take out a few corrupted zones and stuff like that, right? If I remember, you have to take out um, the corruptors, which are like the weird 
like mm. the machines on the they're like circular <laughs> machines with like a bunch of yeah. legs that kind of look like weird robotic spiders yeah but the corrupted zones i believe are optional i, I can't remember there may be one that you have to do as like a requirement no, I, I think there was a camp an encampment which wanted you to remove those uh in order for you to get passage to a particular place or something yeah yeah so that's the i think it's like the gates leading to karja territory so i think between norja norja can't talk i'm so sorry on the border between nora and karja land but i don't i don't know if that's that would be the norja border though (laughs) don't don't make yourself feel bad about it but i think if you could call it that norja border would actually a hybrid of the two yeah i'm sorry sometimes my mouth just can't form words (laughs) um, it makes sense don't worry about it let's talk i can't remember i don't think that was a corrupted zone i think there were corruptors or corrupted machines in that area but i don't know that it was a corrupted zone itself Mm -hmm. But it was still really cool. I mean, for the, not the fight, because that drove me insane. Yeah. <laughs> but once you finish the fight and clear out all the corrupted machines, and once you actually cross that border and get into Karja territory, it's really cool because yeah. it's a com- change of environment. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it's like yeah. almost instantaneous. It's like Nora Land is very, I think, lush and green, and like there's meadows and, and hills. snowy. Yeah, yeah, a little snowy as well. But Karja territory is like very hot humid looking arid very deserty and yeah almost in a sense i think meridian is like a pocket of it's like a little oasis it's everything Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. there's like water and shade and trees so it's it's a really nice city but just walking into karja territory and making your way to meridian was really cool also a little Mm -hmm. bit daunting because there's like a million and new machines that you've never seen before (laughs) so um and unfortunately or fortunately, if you prefer having challenges, um, in Karja territory, there's also flying machines, which don't appear in Noraland, at least not in the beginning of the game. So no, <laughs> it's what are it they was, called? Glintogs. There's glintogs and stormbirds. Um, stormbirds and, are more in the frozen wilds, though, right? No, they're also in Karja territory. There's a lot of places you can find them. Um, hmm. There's. Uh, but like you said, the glint hawks, the stormbirds, which were flying machines. There's mm-hmm. behemoths. Mm-hmm. Um, there's thunderjaws. Mm, um, thunderjaws. There's ravagers, rock, I think. What are those rock, rock breakers? Rock, rock breakers. breakers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of like really big machines, and it's really daunting because, especially coming from Nora Land at the beginning of the game, like on Nora yeah. territory, you uh, have yeah. a lot of machines, but they're are simple machines. I feel like you know you get yeah they're like simple ones? compared you to the, all the you get the watchers. <laughs> You basically There's get watchers, um, striders, uh, chargers, sawtooths. sawtooths. Yeah, um, sawtooths. And I feel like there might be one more. I don't know. You don't get long legs there, but um, yeah, grazers. No. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there are. Machines, at least broadheads and grazers are machines you can tame. Basically. Yeah, I mean, you can tame all the machines. You have to do. There's different areas within the game, the cauldrons, cauldrons. that you have to complete oh, to. to yeah. team each or ride tier. them i'm sorry ride them you can ride grazers in broad neck broad backs i think right yeah so you can ride them with the skill um you have to acquire that skill from the skill yeah. tree but if you want to tame them with your uh spear you need to complete all the different cauldrons, the cauldrons yes. throughout the land so it, yep. all the machines are ranked in a tier and so the easiest cauldron you unlock like one tier of machines Good to tame bye, and then 
I think so, yeah. yeah. And then you keep going up until eventually you can override and essentially tame even a Thunderjaw. But it, the way they crafted this world is really cool because mm-hmm. uh, the machines, there's, I think, enough that they're varied and there's just so many all over the place that I think it really forces you to kind of be you know, stealthy. Learn and, how to, these yeah. learn how to defeat each one, each machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's something that has its own strengths and weaknesses, and there's a specific method to defeating them, which is effective, right. I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the machines. Which machine was the toughest for you? I think, and I don't know if this is going to be fairly common for a lot of people, or if it might be like... People might be surprised by this, but mm. the Glintox and the um, the Glintox actually probably the flying were the machines. Yeah. Yes, I because agree. even though because they, were... they move so <laughs> quick, bro. And I, I'm I, a pot I, shop. I cannot. You, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm terrible with a bow and arrow, so I like yeah. melee weapons better than ranged weapons. But yeah. with the Glinthawks, it was just so difficult to like hit them when they were perched somewhere because yeah. there's very few places I think where they were perched in a position or in a place where Aloy then it's fine but then once they keep moving it's like uh, yeah and I think it wasn't until I fully upgraded my um, quiver my quiver and I had like the various different arrow types that I was able to take on without fear of dying but Mm -hmm. even then I mean like if I had a choice between fighting a Glintock and a Thunderjaw I think for me the Glintock I I take the Thunderjaw any day (laughs) I'd take Thunderjaw any day. But honestly. yeah, I mean, the, some of the machines are are kind of tough, but um, yeah. the flying ones for me, I just couldn't do the flying ones. The Stormbirds I actually found easier than the, the Glintox just because mm-hmm. I think they're so much larger, and I think they're a little they're bit slower. slower. Yes. Um, and they have a tendency to kind of hover in one spot, whereas the Glintox are smaller and quicker, and they yeah. just move around all the time. So for me, yeah, it was just, <laughs> they were. I found them really annoying. <laughs> Same. I agree with you. Let's talk about, and this is getting into a uh, spoilery territory here, though. Um, let's talk about Sun King Avad, his uh, how he is and how he talks to Aloy and stuff like that, because it's kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the leader of Meridian, and uh, Aloy, when she goes to Meridian, actually helps him. And I think he's got some, I think misplaced feelings yeah for her maybe um because she she helps him and he ends up unfortunately losing Losing the person he loves yeah right yeah and it it is sad and tragic but i think the weird thing at least for me was that it seemed like he almost instantly took whatever affection he felt for um i think she was his fiance right Ersa, yeah. Yeah, I think they were... Um, they were secret. I think or... it wasn't exactly public knowledge, but you could tell that they were... That, that he really cared about her a lot. Right, yeah. So um, I think he took whatever he, he felt for Ursa and kind of, mm-hmm. maybe unintentionally, just channeled it to Aloy. And mm-hmm. that was the last thing Aloy had on her mind. I mean, she was really on a journey for herself. And so Pretty much. Uh, that was really cool that she was like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> But nicely, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, she was like nice about it. Not that it, she but... has to be nice about it, but it's like, 
you know, when you don't no, like somebody, I mean, you don't like somebody. But yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. What but I mean, like, Avad was a nice guy, so I don't think she would have been is, rude to her. But yeah, I think yeah. if there had been a, a person who was, you know, I mean, that's why coming like on to her strong. Because at the end, he was like, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. I understand that I misplaced my feelings here. Mm-hmm. So let's just. You know, I hope you can forgive me. I think he said something to that effect. And I was like, yeah, you're cool, man. You're cool. Yeah, and I think they still remained friends after, yeah. which was really cool. And it That's was nice true. to see that, like, you know, even though he confessed or whatever, and even though Aloy rejected him, essentially, there was no animosity between them. And he didn't mm-hmm. take it personally. And he didn't go crazy because a girl yeah. turned him down. <laughs> yeah, like most other idiots. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's talk about Project Zero Dawn because that blew my mind. Like, I'm like, I, I still can't get over the moment we figured that out and how that affected Aloy at that point. Let's talk about that. I know. It's really, I think the story was so masterfully done because yeah. we're learning information. As, as Aloy does. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. as she's getting all this information, I guess we as players have to try and process it. And Mm. so it was really cool because at first it starts looking like one thing, but I think as you play through the game and you get the full scope of what Project Zero Dawn really was about, Mm -hmm. you start realizing how messed up Ted Farrow was in creating robots that... I mean, he called them peacekeepers, but they're essentially military robots... And they've got yeah, like you know AI and that all these other things. Themselves by right. eating and humans. Not just humans. It was just biomass. So yeah. they just essentially like ate a lot of. I mean, humans. Ate the earth. Like essentially, in a way, like yeah, they took over and they went haywire, and yeah. it just. I I think in a it's not. I don't think it's wrong to say that they triggered a mass extinction and almost yeah. because. Humans were at risk. Any like flora or fauna was at risk. I mean, anything that basically had mass was at risk, which is everything. Yeah, which is everything. <laughs> so it, it was crazy that he even built robots for mm. military purposes and essentially yeah. designed them to take the place of human peacekeepers, which I think is just crazy because a robot is a robot. And even with AI and all of that, there's no way a, a robot can replace... You can make a judgment call. Exactly, like, yeah. Know? And even yeah. with like, the best yeah. AI, I think it would be really difficult. Even with the most advanced AI, I, mm. I don't think it would be... No, I agree with you, yeah. Easy. So yeah. to me, it's just bizarre that he even considered this. And not only did he go and through... that's not his... the worst <laughs> of his crimes. That's the dumb part, basically. I know. I think... Uh, I know. And we find out, uh, and Lisbeth basically created these amazing systems to recreate life, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that they shouldn't, uh, and Ted Farrow being an arrogant jackass is like, they shouldn't know what we did. It basically erases the whole thing, I think. I, yeah, I know. I think he yeah, he tries to cover up, I think, a lot of his mistakes, yeah. but at a certain point, it's too big to cover up because it's not yeah. just affecting, like, a single company or anything. Mm-hmm. It's affecting the world, and it, it's yeah. essentially his fault because he made a, a set of robots that were designed to fulfill certain functions, yeah. but they there was a glitch which allowed them to become self-aware, and uh, they could just take over other machines. They could self-repair, exactly. self-replicate, and... Mm-hmm. They were fueled by biomass, which is literally almost everything. <laughs> so it, they pretty much 
became uncontrollable and he wanted to cover it up instead of, I guess, going to authorities or whatever leaders he could and coming up with some sort of plan to take them down, which is really annoying. And uh, there's a lot of choice words, I think we could call him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because... um, yeah, because, he, oh my god, it's so convoluted and so well done. And they and calling this program Gaia, it's the most beautiful thing, because she's the goddess of the earth in Greek mythology. And it's like... I know. It's just beautiful how they tried to do that, and then how... Uh, you should, like, listening to Gaia's recordings hurt. I it did, yeah. It, it, was, it really tugs at your heartstrings, especially because... Um, um, Elizabeth Sobek comes in to try and essentially rectify Ted Farrow's mistakes and yeah. save the world, essentially, yes. which is no easy feat for one person, but definitely not in a situation like this where there's just yeah, rogue exactly. machines just taking over the world, essentially, and just yeah, pretty much pretty much anything is fuel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not even like they have limited resources, yeah. and they can self-replicate and self-repair. So it's not even like breaking them or damaging them could... It, stop them Mm -hmm. so yeah i think once you learn what project zero dawn is and how it fits in it's really amazing because um she basically designed it to be like this huge network that's not just limited to i guess one portion of the globe but it's like it's essentially a global network and yeah exactly like uh, like there's bunkers and Mm -hmm. um manufacturing and i think cloning facilities and they're all just essentially dedicated to terraforming and restoring earth <laughs> which exactly, yeah. thanks to ted farrow needs to be restored <laughs> yeah and um i think that the idea was that once the earth because i think it got to a point where the machines were just consuming so much biomass that they had predicted very soon there would be nothing left nothing or left. there would be the huge and global catastrophe such a massive scale like it's the I know, entire it's, earth it's yeah not... it's not just one region or like one small portion it's yeah. the entire earth essentially so um the idea was that this program gaia would be i guess the the AI that basically runs this whole operation. Right, yeah, and she would, yeah. or it would gradually reintroduce like different um, animals and plants, Life and then systems. essentially, yeah, yeah exactly. and then essentially reintroduce humankind back mm-hmm. into a world that had hopefully recovered from the machines. Um, yeah, but much. it it was a, a huge operation, and uh, Gaia was just one part of it, and there were other. Um, sub functions under her that also they they were all named after different gods uh, in Greek yeah, mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all were symbolic, and so they had different functions, and they were all supposed to work in conjunction with each other. But yeah. there's unfortunately more bad news because one of them Hades a glitch. Yeah, and I think yeah. Hades. I think was it Hades that took out Apollo? And yeah, it was Apollo, Hades. So it was like, Hades. <laughs> Or it, was Ephesos involved? I think he was. He, it was too, but um, I can't remember correctly. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we just it's been a while. We'd love to replay but... the game and get to this because it's amazing. But um, I remember it was Hades that took out Apollo, and then Hades basically found a way to override Gaia at this point. I, I think yeah. I think he also found or it found. 
I keep referring to them as people because I'm just so used to thinking of the Greek gods. But I, I think know. Hades also found a way to override Hephaestus and start making yeah. more making machines. corrupted machines. Yeah. Yes, so, you're um, right about that. Like, there's all these different... slowly taking over each aspect or each program, Hades. Right, yeah. yeah, and ultimately the goal was to get to Gaia to uh, yeah. override her or it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Gaia had security measures in place so that in the event of some sort of it turns out Aloy was that security measure yeah which is also really cool because again I mean in the beginning of the game you don't know a whole lot about her backstory but then as you play through it's you get more information as the game progresses and it just kind of ends in like this huge epic scene where you find out that uh, Aloy is essentially a clone of Elizabeth and Sobek yeah yeah, and she was designed brought to life whatever you want to say so that she to, to stop, stop Hades. Hades. yeah and so in in it's beautiful and, but also heartbreaking yeah. i mean i can't I think she was really looking for parents and mm. in the conventional sense she doesn't have any so unfortunately the nora matriarchs were right she doesn't have Ugh. a mother by their standards yeah but i will say that she doesn't have a mother because i think in some ways, Elizabeth is her mom. Yeah, I think no in way. some ways you can definitely say that. And um, there's there's that really sweet scene at the end oh, where you have a conversation God. with uh, both Gaia and Elizabeth, and um, she's like, "If you had a daughter, her, what would you want yeah. to be?" <laughs> and she's Elizabeth curious. Like, I guess I'd want her to be curious. And yeah, and then you look at Aloy because that's what Aloy is. It's just beautiful. It's really, it's, it was so well done that last scene. I mean, the whole game, in my opinion, I think yeah. was beautiful. Really well done. I just can't. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Whew. Some of the, some, and that's one of my favorite scenes. Let's talk about Silence because he's an asshole. He is. Uh, oh my god. Like, I mean, he's so smug and he's like constantly asking Aloy for help or just telling her to do or things. He's asking never her to risk her. her life when, not, when he's not, yeah, like you said, he's not giving her the right info. He's yeah, and he's her not her there life. either. So, I mean, 99% of the time. And I love how she mentions her. that to him. Yeah, I'm doing all the hard work. So you're going to take what I give you. Shut up. I know. It was so refreshing. I was. Like, yeah. after, the, I think, the first couple of times he makes contact with her, I was just thinking to myself, like, what is, I mean, he's obviously getting a lot of, out of this, but we're the ones risking, or, or well, essentially Aloy is the one risking her yeah, neck to get him all this information. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I kept hoping that she wouldn't just do what he said blindly. And so it was so nice to see at a certain point, she just told him off and she was like, You'll I take mean, what I give you. Exactly. Bye. <laughs> so much. that was really refreshing. But yeah, he is. Um, like you said, an asshole. Uh, he's not yes. a great guy. <laughs> he's not. And that's funny it lightly because part of it is, I think, just the way he comports himself. He's, he just comes mm-hmm. across as so smug, which I think he is. He's mm-hmm. unnecessarily so, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I think it's also in a way like deceitful. He never really tells um, Aloy everything. Dude, exactly. And she has to go through quite a lot before, yeah. Yeah, before he even, like, meets up with her in person and then even then he's still the same smug annoying jackass and it's like also when she's having that existential crisis he's like grow up and get this job done like dude try and understand what this woman is going through you asshat 
I don't think he's capable of understanding. I think that's just the way he is. He's like, he just knows what his goal is and he's just working towards it and everything else is just means to an end type thing, (laughs) which is is really annoying. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's also sad, too, because that's a terrible way to live your life. But he was so annoying, and I was hoping at some point that he would just, like, be alone or that, too, which is really sad and mean to say. But, but yeah, I mean, he was annoying. So I was hoping that if if anybody in the whole cast of characters had to die... It would be this. It would be this more likable characters like Ursa, who I would have happily treated. Yeah, (laughs) like Ursa, Rost, any of them. Like, yeah, silence could have taken their place, and I would not have shed a tear. I would not have. And uh, to think to find out that he was the leader of the Eclipse, and that he basically defected because Hades, but because he finally figured out what Hades wanted and didn't want to be part of it, like. Yeah, to me, that's on the one hand, it's like it's great that you at least realize that that you're able to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I feel like it's in a way almost lazy because he made that mess and then he just walked away and like washed his hands of it. And in a sense, yeah, I think didn't he Uh, enable Hades to gain that knowledge so that he can get started? Yeah, I believe so. I could be wrong, but um, I think we replay this, we do. Uh, Hades was like there was some signal I think that corrupted Hades and it's unknown uh, even at the end of the game yeah, who sent exactly. that signal yeah. but Silence definitely had a hand in it and he definitely helped and I'm sure without him Hades may have like it, the process may have been delayed a bit but uh, I mean any delay is, is better than no delay I think in terms of like mm. impending catastrophe so um, I think Silence whatever he did was I think yeah. he did too much and he definitely should not have but yeah, the, the whole thing that he, he was the leader of the Eclipse and then he just kind of walked away. It's like, well, at the very least, you probably could have taken care of like the people who were part of the Eclipse mm, if you couldn't yeah. do anything about the machines. But I think at a certain point, he was just kind of like, oh, I'll just wait for somebody who can do it for me. <laughs> and Yeah, and basically do his dirty work for him, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And he didn't have to get his hands very dirty at all. I mean, Aloy did yeah. most of the work, and then yeah, pretty afterwards much. He, he, he took just, like, all he the did. risks. Yeah, and he he just came in when he thought it was convenient, and for kind him, of at the end, exactly. And then started ordering her around and telling her like, "Oh, grow up and do this for me." And it, 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 he's not a great character. <laughs> pretty much. Another great scene that I absolutely love is how the Nora treat her after they find out that she can commune with that metal door. Mm-hmm. Because they consider that sacred. They do, yeah. So they and refer to it as All Mother and yeah. it's been a huge part of Nora life probably since, well, definitely for as long as Aloy can remember, but exactly. probably for several generations going back. And they, like you said, they they view it as sacred and it's it's a huge deal to them. They think it's the, I guess, doorway to their goddess. Exactly. So, the think, all mother, as they would call it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think especially when they realize that Aloy is the only one they can open, and I think some of them are probably, at least the people who, I guess, disliked her for no legitimate reason, I think they're probably a little bit upset that she's the only one that can go in. Pretty much. But I think once she goes in and she comes out, 
immediately everybody does like a 180 and they're like oh my god she's a goddess or the anointed and <laughs> the really and then she's thing exactly was, the anointed was and then she's at them. Like, she was like five minutes I, ago you all hated me now you're bowing down to me like get up i'm nobody's goddess or whatever and exactly. so that was really cool that's what i it love about really this well girl yeah exactly because first you shun me now this like yeah girl tell them off they didn't they don't deserve you. They don't. You don't deserve how they treated you. Of course. So yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was beautiful. And again, that one scene between Gaia and Elizabeth that would always get to me when I heard them talk about how Elizabeth wanted her daughter to be. Ugh. I know. I mean, also just as a side note, not necessarily a side note, but I think we talk about it all the time. But mm-hmm. the voice acting, I mean, oh my god, Ashley Birch, she did, did so such good. an amazing job. And yeah. she did double duty too, because she was both Aloy and, uh, and Sobek. So yeah, oh uh, my god! It, and different inflections for both of them, which is beautifully done. I, I know. Yeah, like, but Amazing. also just like the delivery, like every single line. I mean, yeah. for both of them, it, and just the whole cast in general did such an amazing job. They did. So, they, uh, they really did. I mean, it, it's little things that I think make a game worth playing, and part of it is down to like the story and. Story and how then the voice acting exactly sure, because they yeah. get they breathe life into these characters and it's just beautiful. I absolutely. definitely agree. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. Oh God. Um, the one thing I really wish wasn't the case was that it's a PS exclusive because, I mean, yeah, it took me so it took us so long to finally get it on PC. It did, yeah. <laughs> and now Forbidden West is coming out, and I honestly don't know um, when that's going to come out uh, for PC. Of course, it's not going to be on any other consoles, and I don't blame them for that. But, oh my god, it's like... Yeah, I mean, from point of view, I understand mm-hmm. console exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Gamer point of view, it's like... I'll pay yeah, for it on, for the comp- like, from the company get my money yeah exactly. that anybody can play <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping we don't have I'll to give you my money for Britain West but um exactly I'll give you my yeah, money that's coming out soon play. yeah oh my god I mean it's such a wonderful franchise it's a beautiful game Aloy is a wonderful character uh, and the score, oh my god, the score is also beautiful. It is. Mm-hmm. It's uh, done by Joris Deman. I hope mm-hmm. I'm saying that right, and yeah. The Flight, and um, they did an amazing job. It's. I think it has one of the longest uh, soundtracks I've ever heard. It's and like it's five unique. hours or something. Yeah, it's yeah like... and it's, it's also, they did, I think, three or four discs, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and it's like each one is, it, there's like different... A theme musically that's like woven in and all has to do with the different mm. stages of Aloy's journey and it's just so good um, it makes great studying music <laughs> <laughs> uh, or just great working music in general like anytime you need yeah, to do something that much, doesn't require like utter silence it's great music and it's yeah. just uh, such a pleasure to listen and to the main so. theme is amazing I've, I've always loved that so much oh my god yeah it's absolutely gorgeous yeah oh god anything you wish the game had done differently not not a lot because this game I think is beautiful, but let's talk about things that maybe this game could have done differently. I think just for me, this is probably such a specific thing and just because I'm so bad at using bows and arrows, but uh, um, 
one not having like having some sort of way to tie down flying machines would have been great yeah yeah <laughs> because i like can do stormbirds or, or something um, you know yeah because i mean there's tons of like traps and what like trip wires and stuff that you yeah. can get in the game but it doesn't work on anything that flies so it was so hard for oh, me yeah. to like the few sequences where you actually had to fight glint hawks it drove me nuts because it would take me like two hours to essentially hit three birds which basically probably is way more time than one me. quest which is part of the main story where you do have to do that i remember this yeah and it's it's i think once you have all the upgrades it gets a little bit easier but yeah definitely not before then <laughs> it's still it still takes some work, and for me, I'm just I'm so bad with a bow and arrow. I would have uh, loved a way to tie down, shot, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it's like they're they're tied down to the ground, but they can still move vertically to a certain extent. I wouldn't even yeah. have minded that. But it's like when there's no tether or nothing, and they just have like they're, they they're just like around. an actual bird. They fly around. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, such a pain, <laughs> at least for me. So something minor no, like I that, I guess. But um, I don't think there was anything else that I really wanted to change. Um, Same. It's beautiful. They make the corruptors a little bit easier to hit. <laughs> but again, that's just because I'm terrible with a bow and arrow. And it was like, anytime I had to fight a corruptor. Yeah. Um, or oh, I think maybe having yeah. something like a predator bow, like the way you have predator bows in like the Assassin's Creed franchise, mm-hmm. where you can kind of direct your arrow and see it, like yeah, its trajectory. Zoom in. Yeah, yeah exactly. like that would have been cool. Because yeah. I feel like I wasted so many arrows fighting machines like the Corruptors. <laughs> I agree. But, oh my god. But yeah, yeah. Just minor stuff like that. I can't think of anything major. I don't know if you have anything major, but... No, I don't. It's a beautiful game. It's just very few things that I'd uh, change about it. Let's also talk about the Frozen Wilds. Because that's, I think, after you... I think, I don't know when timeline-wise it's supposed to take a place in the story, but... I basically finished it after I finished the the main story. I did too, um, yeah. So let's but talk you have about to be, that. Yeah, I think it starts within the game. It starts at level thirty, but I don't believe there's any specific time because it's got like its yeah. own self-contained story. So you can it essentially does. start it at any point, uh, mm-hmm. just provided you're level thirty or higher. But yeah. yeah, that was also a really cool DLC. We got a new region um, and we got mm-hmm. to explore a new territory and there were new yeah. machines to fight. The that Frost were... Claws and Fire Claws. Oh my God. Yeah, they were actually a lot of fun to fight even though they were a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, I think once you got the hang of them, they were fun to yeah. fight. It's yeah. just, I think there was, there's like a couple of regions where it's like multiple Frost Claws at <laughs> once and yeah. there's a couple where you Two can do... three, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think there's one area where... Uh, it's like a side quest and or like a side mm-hmm. activity and when you do yeah. it you actually do it with um another side character in the dlc but i think Art all the others yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but all the others are just kind of by yourself so <laughs> you just yeah. have to make do with what you have but mm-hmm. uh the dlc was it was a ton of fun we got new story new area um new characters and i think it was short enough but it didn't feel but that engaging short. enough as yeah. well like you mm-hmm. said, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's not. It didn't take like you know seventy hours to complete the DLC, <laughs> but yeah. for whatever, however long it did take us to complete the DLC, I think, like you said, it was definitely engaging enough and mm-hmm. um, interesting enough that I kept wanting to continue the, like each quest. And I did. I, no, I never at any point felt like this DLC is not for me, and I just want to get back to the main main Pretty map, much, yeah. just return 
but um, yeah, it was really cool. And we had uh, some new machines that were not in the main game, which mm-hmm. were, I think, a little bit harder to fight. So oh, yeah. those definitely took some getting used to. Um, Scorchers especially. Oh my I could god, not, yes! I couldn't deal with them while. the first time. <laughs> it took me a while. It took me probably like two days just to get past that opening sequence Dude, for the DLC, it, and I was level yeah, 50 or 60 or whatever. Thunderjaw, so don't ask. I got lucky the first Thunderjaw I fought because I managed to climb really high up where it mm-hmm. couldn't see me and I was pretty high <laughs> up like a mountain and there was enough space that I could move on the other side of some rock formations mm-hmm. every time the Thunderjaw uh, tried to shoot lasers at you. <laughs> yeah, so it took it took me a long time though, but I, I whittled it down its health really, mm-hmm. really slowly. But it's not great for you know, when you have a limited amount of arrows and a limited amount of <laughs> things. I mean, the Thunderjaw yeah. is huge, but I was also, like, I had run to, like, this random corner of Karja territory, and yeah. the nearest fast travel point was, like, really far away, so I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm here, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die. I'm just yeah. gonna take this thing down, and then I'll worry about everything else. But, yeah, I, I did get lucky in my first Thunderjaw, but the Scorchers, which are considerably smaller, for some reason, I found a lot more challenging. Mm. <laughs> it took me so much longer even though i had completely upgraded my weapons and uh, it had like yeah they were completely different you're right yeah Yeah. it it, so it took some getting used to but i finally (laughs) it took a long time for me at least but finally got through the scorchers and then you're kind of just thrust into like banuk territory where there's Mm. all these demonic machines that are just roaming around and demonic frost claw or demonic fire claw yeah those man (laughs) Yeah, oh my was god. Even the demonic thunderjaw. Oh my god. I there were, that. yeah, yeah. But Shit. the thunderjaws, I think once you figure out how to like kill them or yeah, take them down, you, they actually become to them. fun. There's a technique to them. Yeah. yeah. So I get that. The demonic thunderjaws were like, for me, I didn't care about them. <laughs> I found <laughs> the smaller ones, like the demonic, I think there were demonic stalkers too, which were really annoying to fight because oh they're in the time. Um, and unless you're like standing really still or crouched mm-hmm. and hiding, you can like just barely see their outline. Yeah, exactly. But, I uh, know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, the stalkers also drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, here's hoping that we get uh, the forbidden. We get forbidden West soon on PC. Uh, considering the state of the uh, PlayStation 5s, I'd rather... I, I don't know, man. Uh, but I ho- I'm hoping they release this on PC soon because I love this game and I'd really like to see yeah, where Aloy's story I mean, takes her. Yeah, it, w- it would be so nice to get it around the same time it launches on P- uh, PS5 or 4, wherever it's launching. I doubt it, but, but here's hoping. Yeah, fingers crossed. But yeah, like you said, I mean, given the current state of consoles and like how yeah. it's so hard to find any, yeah, I'm hoping that they release it for PC because um, yeah. especially the next-gen consoles are ridiculously mm-hmm. hard to find right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they take pity on the PC gamers. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know the numbers, but I would think that giving uh, selling or releasing it to pc as well would also boost sales and it would be profitable for them but i don't know we'll see <laughs> fingers crossed 
Pretty much. I also, I, I, I think this PC release had a bit of patch problems, but I think they finally resolved it in the end. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's down to just because they initially didn't have a PC port, and mm-hmm. then they finally released a PC version of the game, and yeah. I don't know if they rushed through it, or I'm not really sure what the circumstances around that were, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. that for Forbidden West... If they are releasing it to PC, that there's Learn not their as many right. patches required. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I agree. I agree. Well, here's hoping. Um, if you guys have st- are still listening to us on this, we really appreciate you. Um, but feel free to let us know what you think about this game, or feel free to let us know what other topics you want us to talk about. You can always reach us at nerdy dot nerdy podcasts at tumblr uh, what? I'm sorry. I think I have that wrong. Is it nerdy <laughs> Is it nerdypodcasts.tumblr.com for us? Uh, it might be nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com, but we're on sorry, Tumblr. Guys. So we have a Tumblr. Yeah, we're on Tumblr. Which is really bad. You would think we would know this, but it's one of yeah. those days. Um, yeah. we're yeah, we're on Tumblr. You can find us there. We're even or on WordPress. On, um, WordPress too, and our podcast is available on Anchor, oh, Google Anchor. Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other places where you can find podcasts. So if you're interested yep. in anything, um. Feel free to check know. out our other episodes. Yes. And uh, if you're still listening to all this, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. We really do. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, everyone. In honor of Pride Month, we're focusing on specific organizations each week during the month of June. And this week's organization is the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project is a leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer and questioning youth under 25. For more information, including on ways you can help, visit thetrevorproject.org. Thank you. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers.